Oh, I can't help but smile when I hear that sound because it means we are in for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. And if I'm hosting, that usually means it's the forums edition. So we are going to take a look uh, in the Rec Poker forums and we're going to talk about it here with the panel. So first, I'd like to thank Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino for making all this possible. Um, I'm your host, Jim Reed. Bluffsterini in the home game. And if you want to find out about me and the rest of the wrecking crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew. But I am just one man, and I am here joined by a panel of recreational poker players and wizards. Uh, wizards, why don't you introduce yourself? I am John Somsky, and I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. Uh, my name is Woody Adams, and I play as Rocket Box on Poker Stars Pennsylvania and Rocket Box Poker on the you know, on the home game that we played together. You know, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at Woody Adams. And Woody's one of our Wrecking Crew members, and he's been uh, putting great stuff in the forums. He's been helping people get to know poker and find their love for poker. He's playing in the seminars. It was time to have him back on the show and uh, get his perspective on what some folks are putting in the forums here. So, like, like I say, I've got the best job in the world. I get to just hang out here with recreational poker players. Um, just like every week, we're in the nightly home game trying to steal each other's chips. And just like every week, we will take a forum post from Rec.Poker. This one's by Jacob Kiki, one of our uh, father-son combos. There's a bunch of tag team um, players in our home games, whether it's fathers and son, uh, siblings, husbands and wives. Uh, there's a lot of great... Uh, 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 collaborators. Uh, Jacob is one of them along with his dad. Um, so here he's playing in the Canterbury $150 deep stack and uh, was curious about how people would have played this hand. So there's 200 entries in the tournament, 33 left, and 21 get paid. Uh, the blinds are 2K, 4K with a 4K ante, and we have about 18 big blinds. Pre flop, it's seven handed. Uh, the table's gotten significantly harder and I don't think there's an obvious bad player at the table. So I don't think I have a significant edge over anyone at my table. And that's a great note to be taking because we talk on the show all the time about when to avoid variance and when to embrace variance. And if you feel like you have a skill edge on the table, maybe you want to avoid variance a little bit, but if you feel like everyone on the table is a killer, um, you shouldn't be afraid to, uh, take a flip and a flip, not a negative EV decision, but you shouldn't be afraid to invite some uh, variance into your play. In this case, we are in the big blind with ace of diamonds, two of spades. The action's folded to the small blind who has about 32 big blinds, so covers us very comfortably. Uh, They raise to 12.5 off a uh, four big blind, big blind, which is um, large, as it should be when the small blind opens and they've been playing together since the beginning of the tournament. They seem solid. Haven't seen a bluff all day. Uh, We've only had two other blind versus blind situations and he raised each time and it was about the same size. So we've got ACE two offsuit. What should I do here? Says Jacob. Uh, Should I call? I feel like my ACE high is ahead of a lot of his range, blind versus blind. Should I jam? It's a 17 big blind jam, and it would be hard to call for the small blind uh, being over half their stack. I wasn't sure if ACE2 offsuit is a good jam coming close to the money, um, or should I fold 
and find a better spot where I can apply the pressure in a different situation. I elected to call. Well, let's um, before let's, we jump. Yeah, let's just talk about that into, right there for a second. So there's so, a lot to, to go over there with pre-flop and. Um, why don't you why don't you get started? You, yeah. What jumps so, out at you? Um, first, first off, is that I think this is a difficult spot that Jacob is that is Jacob is facing here, and it merits some good discussion. So I'm really glad that he wrote the post. It's really. He, he mentioned something at the beginning that it's not that great of a hand. Dude, this is a great hand. <laughs> this, this hand comes up all the time mm. and we're all kind of in the same spot where, you know, it's, it's almost like the hand is too good to fold, but at the same time, you really don't want to get called off. Right. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a weird spot, but I really think that it's, um, when it comes down, like when it comes down to, uh, like if you were just, if, if our bodies and our minds were only functioning as push or fold, I lean on a push with this, with this particular type of holding. Um, there are, there are other options and I think we can dissect some of those other options or unpack them a little bit. Um, but, uh, that's like between the two of them there's I, I i don't think i think that call is the least of least favorite of my decisions with this one and fold is definitely reasonable or push but i just don't think that the one in the middle is gonna do it for mm. you yeah john what did i don't know if that's i don't know mm -hmm. like that's kind of that's kind of an aggressive angle at it for sure like taking an AC Ducey, kind of loosey, <laughs> you know, that's what they say in New York. That's right. What, <laughs> so, what do you think, John? Well, it, it, it reminds me of uh, what Andrew Broca says, that, you know, um, a call is not a compromise between raise or fold. Read my mind. You know? yeah. So it, it's... Uh, the, if this were suited, I'd be much more willing to play it with a call because you have much more post-flop pl playability with the suited hand than you do without the suited hand, particularly a suited ace. Uh, whereas here, you really want to get rid of, you know, if you can win it pre-flop, that's great for you. And raising out of the blinds can look strong, so that wouldn't be a bad a bad course there. The other thing that I that I picked up on in this first like paragraph that he that uh, Jacob was writing is that um, this particular opponent he's been sitting with for hours, and he's only had these small blind versus big blind spot come up, what two or three other times, but each time the player did the same thing, raised three and a half big blinds, and presumably Jacob called along or flatted um he didn't mention anything about like taking the, an aggressive playback or that either he flatted or he folded but one way or the other um you're allowing a player we talk about like gto versus exploitative play and like this is definitely an exploitative play by the small blind where they're seeing a weakness in um in our play in our big blind defense and they're not seeing enough raises out of us. They're not seeing enough uh, folds out of us. They see like calls out of us. And you could take a pot if someone's just going to take a call, 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 fold line. You can take a pot that way. So I feel like small blind has a very like 
um, a very wide range here that he's trying to exploit our um, our tendency to call along and fold after a couple of big bets. Yeah, and and I think you know one of the nice things that's and we're talking about Jamie again. Um, it's one of those situations where you're holding a blocker. You're never going to be in great shape when your opponent does call, but it's just, he's not likely to call very often. And that uh, the frequency with which he folds is where you make a lot of your profit in a spot like this. The nice thing about doing with a hand like ace two is not only do you have the ace blocker, but there's a good chance that you're going to get a better hand than yours to fold. Um, which is like some of those lower like aces, like ace, yeah, exactly. Some of yeah, those garbage right. aces, they might actually fold that. Um, whereas if you if you do this with a hand like ace eight or ace nine, um, it's still you've still got the blocker, but you know maybe you have enough equity to call in a spot like that. But also when you do jam, they're never actually folding better. Um, they're usually only uh, folding worse. So it's it's that spot that. Um, I like the way you said that, John, about how calling isn't a compromise uh, in, in uh, Andrew Brokus's conversation. Um, and it also just sets up the situation where when they do call, unfortunately, they are they are really ahead. One one thing I wanted to jump on was um, Jacob mentions that they're getting close to the money. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're actually that close to the money. Like, I know it feels like they're close to the money. There was 200 entries. 21 get paid and we're down to 33 or something like that. Let me make sure. That's I'm, yeah. Right, yeah. 33 get paid and 21, uh, sorry, 33 left and 21 get paid. So I know it's, it's only 12 people. That feels like not a lot of people, but relative to the size of the field, you're not actually, you're not really bubbling um, with 12 mm. people to go. So it's true that you should be thinking about not busting, but this isn't the kind of situation where you're four or five from the money and um, ICM pressure is really, really, really a, a hugely high factor. Um, it, it, you're not really as close as you think, I don't think. That's a really good point. So at this point in the tournament, although it does feel like we've knocked out a lot of people and a lot of people mm-hmm. are gone, for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, there's still 12 players left that's, uh, that, can, uh, that are going to need to go before we're even close to the money, that we're even in the money, right? So yeah. effectively, we have to be making um, – like positive chip EV decisions here. Um, we need to be we need to be thinking more about you know gaining and acquiring chips rather than thinking about chip preservation at this point. Um, I think he started out with sixteen and a half big blinds or something like that. Right? I think it was like eighteen was preflop and then eighteen and then uh, one big blind and then and then whatever two and a half more. So he's got like it just goes fifteen to, back or something. Yeah, it just it just like begs to be a shove. It just begs yeah. to be a shove right here. Yeah. So that's um, because you because you can maximize your fold equity. Yeah. That's yeah. I want to be clear on that. You're you're shoving you're shoving with the hope that your opponent just folds, you know, ace nine. Well, and, and yeah. because he mentioned that this is the third time this situation yeah. has come up and he hasn't, and he's folded the previous two, mm-hmm. I would think the villain would be more likely to give him credit, particularly in a live game. Yeah. In an online game, I don't think you can count on that right. because they may not have noticed, but in a live game, it's much more likely they will have noticed and they will give you credit this time. 
Yeah, I think that's really good, fa- really good factor. And I think that maybe like during this conversation, we should take a minute or two to talk about differences and similarities between between live and online poker, especially mm. as people are transitioning back from a year of online play back into live play. I think that we ought to at some mm. point in this discussion, we ought to hit that up. Yeah, let's after our uh, little Jonathan Little break, we can talk about some post flop stuff and some of those uh, some of those differences. So right, the last cool. thing I want to talk, uh, Chris Chris Jones um, makes a great post in here. Uh, he also prefers the jam pre flop. This mm-hmm. is uh, our membership content director, Chris Jones, who knows exactly what he's talking about, of course. Um, and he just says, at this stack depth, we have a great candidate to incorporate into our jamming range. We block some of the best holdings, and we can get a lot of hands with great equity to fold. We're also not quite close enough to the bubble to knit it up and try to cash. I'd be jamming most of my ace-x offsuit combos here, my weaker pairs, plus a few of my best ace-x suited combos. I'm flatting with my premiums, my lower ace-x suiteds, most of my broadways, and most of my suited combos. So he is flatting with a, a pretty wide and robust uh, range as well. So he's That's just like continuing. John was saying too. Yeah. John was saying about uh, uh, like the suited wheel ace, you'd mm. be more inclined to flat with that because it does have more playability posts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Chris actually includes a floptimal uh, range output. And again, I always tell people you should go to rec.poker, get a free account and just join the forums yourself because there's so much detail and graphics and uh, screenshots and ranges and stuff that people upload into the forums here. I can't quite do them justice by just talking about them on the air. So I encourage everyone to go and see. There's this beautifully laid out uh, visual guide for exactly what um, 20 big blinds should be doing in that spot. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's... uh, for people that like to learn visually, it's really helpful to be able to get that kind of that kind of input. So consensus is we like it as a jam pre-flop, I think, given the dynamic, the stage of the tournament, the hand quality, uh, the stack size. Um, okay, so let's hear from yeah. our friend Jonathan Little, and then we'll dive in on the back end. Ever wondered whether you should call a pre-flop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with Ace King when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. And I've said this before, if he catches out that you've been guessing or stressing, there is going to be trouble. Jonathan Little will hunt you down and make you pay. So don't guess, don't stress. Go to pokercoaching.com slash poker and try it out today. So Woody, um, why don't we talk a little bit about, as you say, kind of how you might play this differently if it was long, uh, live or online. I know people that have been used to playing live maybe they've played a little more online over the last year or so but we're all getting back to live now how would that affect how you might approach it oh that's i mean it's a it's a great question and it's probably something that i am gonna need to you know get your advice on both (laughs) to be honest with you because it's like it i i am i'm i'm not playing live just yet I will be playing live probably within the next few weeks down in mm. Mar- down at the Baltimore Casino in Maryland. Nice. Um, but we'll be 
really aggressive. <laughs> like we'll be really <laughs> aggressive is what's going to happen. So yeah, I think we get, we get... In, in selective spots in selective spots. But like one of the things that I noticed that's different about online play versus live play is the bet raising size, like the mm. opening size. So mm. when you're playing online, you can open to 2.2 or 2.7 big blinds and um, you get folds right. and then you get like one call. Right. And it's a it's a playable strategy. But when you're playing live, you can open to two point two or two point five big blinds and the whole table will call you. (laughs) Yeah, it's really wild. So then you have to modify not necessarily how much you're betting, but how frequently you're betting Mm. must like you must differentiate like yourself from one of the other players at the table by either betting less in, in when you're only in position like late, right. Or by, you know, finding the three bet where other people just don't find that three bet where, where you see it, uh, somebody's coming in for a three big blind bet and you have two or three other players, you know, flat behind and you're on the cutoff with a hand, as long as they give you two cards, like it's not necessarily a bad idea to put a raisin. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think yeah. when you're live too, people people don't like busting. Yeah. Live a lot more than they than they don't like busting online. If you bust online, you know, go take your take a walk around the living room, fire up another tournament. You're probably multi-tabling already. It's no big deal. When you when you bust live, you're getting in the car and driving home, and you know that's, that's no true. fun. So I think you. While people don't appreciate, people don't respect like the small bets and, and raises as much. I think people really do kind of overfold to jams and stuff yes. live. So there's that kind of, you can get it from both sides a bit. And I think also people are just kind of, uh, um, well, yeah, I think you kind of said it earlier. Like they're, they're feeling it more. It's more of like the experience of playing. I think if you're, when you're playing online, people can't help but be a little more, Mm, objective or cold or I, I, I don't know but you also yeah, just don't mind losing about, as much yeah it's true well th- there's a big difference I mean playing live poker is a much more social game mm. than playing online poker is uh, you actually get to see people you've made a bigger commitment you've had to drive somewhere mm. you didn't just fall out of bed and maybe you're still wearing your underwear <laughs> signing on to <laughs> poker tables right so so there's this a is only commitment. from here up right just for the record. yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Woo, all right um, oh, all right Woo. So, um, so it's a bigger commitment to play live and people don't want to, they came to have fun. So that's why, it, particularly in cash games, the opening raise sizes are much larger. Yeah. You have to, you know, do like 4X or 5X um, often in order to end up playing either heads up or with two other players versus online you can do like what he was saying, the 2.2 X uh, or 2.5 X raises. You might go a little larger in a cash game, a little less in tournaments sometimes. But um, so there's a difference. You can also, variance takes a lot longer to uh, wear Mm. itself out in a live game. So you have to be a little bit more careful that if someone, you know, three bets, three hands in a row, it's possible to get good hands, three hands in a row, right? Yeah. So you don't know for sure if they're truly doing a 100% VPIP or is yeah. this just their, you know, yeah. randomization there to 
get the good hands in. You touched on something there that I want to go on, which which was the um, the fact that a lot like live players are they're like everybody coming out to have a good time. They're coming out to play some yep. cards. They're coming out to play some poker. They're not there to fold, right? They're so not like, there to fold, right? <laughs> like let's like a lot of people are playing a lot of pots. A lot of people are seeing a lot of flops, and a lot of people are folding on a lot of turns. Yeah, right. Yep. Yep. So yep. like you gotta so you gotta pick your spots. But when you do find that spot, don't be afraid to be aggressive on three streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like don't, it, like don't, like don't shy away from taking that that role in the hand yes. where you are the one that's going that's that's going to win the pot. I like that. Hey, just tangent. You're making that rocket box hat look good. Does that does that have rec poker on the back of it? Yeah. Let me spit, let's spit that baby around to get that personalized. Look at that. Yes. Look at that. Beauty. I love it. Yeah. Look at that. Beautiful rocket box. Now yeah. we just got to get you some of those pins on there so you can look cool like John has been uh, kicking uh, yeah. butt. Well, I could show this too. Oh, I love it. I'm poker geek MN everywhere. It everywhere. is everywhere. That's funny. It is that. Oh man, I gotta get some. I gotta get mine personalized. I'm just boring old Jim. <laughs> All right. Well, we managed to find a couple rabbit here, uh, rabbit holes here. Um, we should talk about because so what ended up happening was Jacob called. And we got to the flop. We should we should talk about the uh, post flop play here a little. Um, flop comes king of clubs, four of diamonds, five of diamonds. We've got the ace of diamonds and the two of spades. So we've got the back door flush draw and uh, a straight draw uh, gut shot here right off the bat. Uh, the villain bets a, a down bet of two and a half big blinds, and we're not sure if we should call uh or fold or jam at this point uh they elect to call turn Let's, comes turn wait, comes wait, to seven yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah. fair enough so like right there is another opportunity to take the aggressive line and get the chips in the middle with the ace high the backdoor enough plus draw the inside straight draw like you got stuff you got equity as long as you have as long as you got like more than 10% against aces, right? You're going to be all right. Like, you want to see five cards. You don't and, – and even if this guy's got a king, you still got equity, you mm-hmm. know? I don't – and if he has one of these other cards that fell out, like, he has a four, he's folding. Like, if he's got pocket sixes, he's folding, you know? It's like this is this is just a spot that if you find yourself – in this position, this is a great flop for your junkie hands. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like this is a great, the, a great board for ace twos. If you don't know like what to do on this flop, then uh, then you need to shove. The answer is shove. <laughs> well, and it is. I think one the the one really important point is that you 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 do have a lot of kind of non obvious equity here with the gut shot, ace high, uh, the backdoor flush to the nuts. Um, so it is, you know, you've got a little more equity than you might think in this spot. And I think the only thing you shouldn't do because the bet is so small, the only thing you shouldn't do is fold, um, given those odds, even though it's, it's a portion of your stack, 
Um, it's not a great flop for you, but when, when the bet's that small and you're in position, um, I don't mind the, the call or the shove. I, I probably play it like a shove because I'm allergic to not getting my chips in the middle. I found out recently I was diagnosed. But, oh. um, yeah, it's rough. But, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. So, the, uh, John, do you want to add to that? or? No, I think that that pretty much summarizes that this is a, a great spot. You've got the um, gut shot draw that will make you the nuts at this point in time. So you're not definitely not drawing dead. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, a great time to, to take this hand away. Yeah. This would be, so if you, this is, a, a, this is just like, if you're not shoving this hand pre-flop, if you find yourself in this position post-flop, but like, in my opinion, the shove pre-flop is going to get more folds and like win you more pots than the sh than than not. And I guess a, another way to look at it is with ace deuce offsuit. What flops are you looking for, John? You're yeah. always just one step ahead of me, man. That's a, yeah. Yes, yes. How right. And you're not going to flop much better than this. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. So so if you're going to call pre-flop. It's with the intention of getting frisky on flops like this. If you're not going to take an aggressive action on flops like this, then, um, you know, as Jacob says yeah. in the beginning, maybe they should just fold, just fold and, yeah. and pick a better spot where you can leverage uh, leverage your stack more effectively. Because and that's this, absolutely reasonable, absolutely reasonable yeah. to take to to take the fold fold pre line. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. Yeah, and I think he yeah. got stuck in this spot where he was calling as a compromise. And right. felt like, you know, I'm too close to the money to get 18 big blinds in here. And I think, you know, just like we've talked about, you're not that close to the money, in fact. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it, calling just doesn't, people think, oh, I'll lower my variance by calling. And that's not really true. Uh, in a lot of cases, you're actually upping your variance by calling. Um, if you just put it in preflop and see how the cards yeah. run out, it, it's, it's a little counterintuitive, but you're going to get, it's a lower variance route when uh, everybody else folds at a high frequency. The other thing that I was thinking about that is that when you've got, um, when you've got 18 big blinds, like he made a point of it's, this just goes back to full or to, to pushing preflop, but like his, his opponent is risking a lot more then it may like he's risking his tournament life that's for sure the biggest thing that you give us right but like his opponent would be taking on a very large risk for what could be a pot that's not even that big right mm -hmm. so his opponent would be risking half of his chip stack at a point in the tournament when you need every bit you know so there's there's that there's his opponent has the same sort of like bubble mentality at the same you know as as as, as we do mm -hmm. yeah and um, the 18 blind chip stack is perfect size for the steel so yeah. after someone yeah. raises three betting and stealing it it's the perfect chip stack for that yeah so that's why the pre-flop shove against the raise is excellent yep i like it i like it so, uh, Jacob, thanks for writing in. Um, I hope you found uh, some, some fun in the answers there. 
And uh, I want to thank Woody Adams, John Somsky, Website Amp, Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, the one and only Steve Fredland, and all our listeners. Talk to you again soon, folks. <laughs>